Well, for the 47th time, Merry Christmas! Yay! How good to see everybody. I was just, I was talking with my, uh, my assistant Joanne and, and on the way over here and I said, you know what? Every time I get a chance to be in service, all my spirits get lifted up. It's hanging with everybody, seeing everybody excited about Christ and, you know, cause sometimes when you're just doing the work and you're away from it or, you know, or you're all by yourself, you know, it's hard sometimes to feel fired up for the, for ministry and the Lord and everything. And all of a sudden I just get around you and it seems like you're so vibrant and alive. It's just everything is more fun being together as family. So if you are uh, an invited family or whatever, I just want to welcome you and tell you that we think it's amazing that you're here and you're here for a reason. I got some exciting information for you. I got some encouragement for you. So we're going to dive into this. If you've never uh, met me before, uh, my name is Lance, and if you're a kid, I'm sorry. I'm totally boring. So uh, I will walk around and yell a lot, um, and so that's merely to try to keep your parents awake. So the rest of you, you can kind of check out and wish you had food. I get that. Um, but I have a message that I will do a little bit of interaction stuff on this, kind of get a show of hands on things. Uh, how many of you would call yourselves treasure hunters that like uh garage sales thrift store stuff like where are my people come on now where are you at all right all right good 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 i love the idea of where it doesn't look like much but it's like the one thing that you're looking for little hidden treasure things i like that kind of stuff so as i was preparing this christmas message i was thinking you know what i'm calling it hidden treasures because everything i see in this story is stuff that is packed with what you wouldn't expect. There's so many layers to it and there's uh, stuff underneath stuff and, and, it, and it's exciting to me. So I started going, all right, so if I'm going to kick this thing off, I got to think about a concept um, that would kind of tie in the idea of discovering something. And I thought, diamond in the rough. Yeah, right. And so I immediately went to Aladdin, the cartoon. All right, now, I know most of you don't remember Aladdin, but all the kids remember Aladdin, yeah? Kids are with me? I don't remember Aladdin. All right. Yeah, there we go. Some of you adults, too. Good. Do you realize, adults, that was 1992? Uh, hello, how old are you? You know what I'm saying? Man, I feel way older now that I found that out. 1992, Aladdin comes out, and it starts off with this this evil character trying to get inside and get a bunch of treasures and the cave that's alive i won't get into it it, it says you got to seek out the diamond in the rough and then it cuts to aladdin he's a street boy and they don't realize he's a big deal and so i was thinking about this diamond in the rough and i was going that's what i'm saying is that something basic is more than what it appears to be and it becomes something awesome and i was like that's totally like diamonds because we all know diamonds are made from coal. No, you're wrong. See, I just wanted you to say it out loud because I was embarrassed when I said it out loud. Here's the thing. We've all been trained that coal turns into diamonds. That's bogus, apparently. My whole world got blown up trying to research for this dumb message is I didn't realize... I didn't realize that, no, coal does not turn into it. And all the geologists and scientists realize it's not coal. It is carbon, and it's a carbon chain together. The problem is, is that coal deposits tend to be found around maybe up to two miles underneath the surface. And diamonds, they believe, are formed a hundred miles under the surface. Now, that's pretty crazy, right? So... 
another quick show of hands. How many of you are information hounds? You love just facts and figures and stuff like that, right? Okay, so the four of us are going to have an awesome time talking about diamonds. This has nothing to do with Jesus, but what I'm telling you is important to know, okay? We're talking about diamonds right now. So here's what I found out. Carbon forced together in the earth's mantle is where they believe that it's formed. 2200 degrees. It's a hundred miles down and then it comes up through volcanic eruptions. So down there it gets squeezed together, becomes a diamond, and then the earth barfs it up. That's really what happens. It comes up through these tubes of volcanic tubes that come all the way to the surface and the tubes are called kimberlites. I bet you didn't know that, did you, smarty pants? So the kimberlites, and then when it barfs it up, they then can mine and scoop up all the diamonds that have been formed underneath. The most popular place where kimberlites emerge are, guess where? South Africa. Now, y'all remember the blood diamond, uh, that kind of concept? Um, that's why there's so much warfare and fighting over that region, is the majority of the world's natural diamonds are all found in South Africa. But check this out. I bet you didn't know this either, because you wouldn't if you had a life. Um, <laughs> So a couple things. Uh, number one, diamonds are the hardest natural substance we have on the planet. I didn't know that. But then I found out that diamond comes from the Greek word, which means unbreakable. Didn't know that. Then this fact came in. Every year, 130 million carats or 57,000 pounds or $9 billion are mined in diamonds every year. That's a lot of diamonds. I had no idea, right? Once again, doesn't have anything to do with Jesus. But, very interesting, the diamonds are crushed into something that you would look at and you would just go, what? That's nothing. What? That doesn't mean anything. All of a sudden, under this compression, which I say is articulated by God, it becomes one of the most precious things on the planet. And I started thinking about potential. The potential of maybe it doesn't look all that great on the outside, but it can become something. I get asked a lot of questions as kind of the Bible answer guy. And one of the questions that that people ask me is, so Pastor Lance, where did all the races and ethnicities and colors come from? Because I thought we all came from Adam and Eve. And I said, do you realize that in God's infinite creativity and beauty, he front loads the potential into Adam and Eve's DNA to create this amazing display of color, diversity, and unity that demonstrates God. I said it was all loaded into two parents, and yet all of us descend from the same family. And I was thinking, man, that is so amazing that that you would have looked at the couple and had no idea what God could do through them into the world. So I'm thinking about the Christmas story and I'm thinking, man, what did God see in Mary? I mean, everybody else saw Mary as, hey, it's a young girl. She seems nice. You know, God selects her out of all the Jewish girls and says, you, I want you to carry the son of God. Why? What what was it? What did he see in her? What was what was so unusual about Mary? Now, the only thing that we can tell is that her character was head and shoulders above everybody else. Why? Because if you were in uh, maybe our services this last weekend, I taught on this stuff, talked about an inconvenient Christmas, and I let you know, basically, here's what Mary heard on Christmas. 
Mary, all your dreams are going to be shattered and your whole world's going to blow up. That's really what she heard. It was, it did not seem cool at the time because nobody believes in the idea of a virgin birth. And so she's, her reputation is destroyed. She now has a possibility of being stoned for her actions. She loses the man that she was going to get married to. I mean, everything's about to blow up. And what was her response? God, what else am I here for? Absolutely. Let's do this. Really? I don't care whether she's 12. I don't care whether she's 14. I don't care whether she's 16. Are you kidding me? Man, this girl who everyone else saw as normal, God was going, no, 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 no. You don't understand. That's my girl. That is a woman that displays me. That is a woman who is coming alive in me. And her character is like my character. And her joy is like my joy. And she gets why she's here on this planet. She is here to display my glory. And this young woman who looks so ordinary said, yes, God, and her whole life changed. But it wasn't just her, right? It was Joseph too. Here's a guy who had his whole world blown up as well. And what he does is gets a visit from an angel who tells him this stuff too. And he said, all right. But even before he knew it was from God, he was a man of character watching over her reputation, no matter how much she would have hurt him. I'm these people, they look like regular people. They're, they're just not. The, the, this character, they look so much like, like Jesus, so much like God. No wonder he selects them out and says, I'm coming into your family to save the world from its sins. But there's no greater picture of impact, hidden treasure and potential in that story than baby Jesus. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Baby Jesus, here you have the Savior of the world, and when you come and see him, he can't even hold his head up, right? He's just like, whoa, what's up? You know, he's all over the place. And you're saying, Jesus, look at me, look at me. And he's like, can't focus, right? Because, I mean, he's a bread, he's just a baby. But that baby is something different. In that baby is the king of kings. In that baby is the prince of peace. In that baby is the savior of mankind. In that baby is the hope of the world. You know what I mean? In that baby, it's not just a baby. I know what it looks like, but it's not. That's the son of God. When the shepherds came and saw that little baby, they saw something else. Why? Because they began to worship And glorify God because of this little package. What did they see? What did they know? When the Magi, when the wise men spend all this massive expense to travel and the hassle and everything. And then pour expensive gifts out in front of this little kid. Why? Because they know something. They believe that he's not just a little kid. They believe that he's the king of the world. And if that's the case, he's worth anything they could give. Do you realize that you are not who you think you are? What you see in the mirror is not the sum total of who you are. You are made in the image of God. The Bible is very clear on that. As a matter of fact, it even tells us a portion of the story about how 
When God was creating the world, he was creating one cool thing after another cool thing. And then he gets to the pinnacle of his creation because you always, what, do the best at the last. Ladies, that's why you were created last, just so you know. You know what I'm saying? Amen, right? Did I score any points? Praise God. Okay. You imagine that the picture would look something like this. It says that God said, I want to create man in my image. I want him to look like me, to be like me. And so it says that Adam was formed out of the dirt, out of the dust of the ground. So you can imagine God sitting down in the dirt and the angels are like, what you doing? Right? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm making this little, this little thingy. Well, it looks like a dirt bag. It is a dirt bag. It's actually a little dirt thingy and I'm, I'm making it. Oh, it looks like you. Oh, thank you very much. It looks really cute. I mean, you're more ripped and stuff, but, but I mean, it looks cool. And he's like, but you, you imagine this. Watch this. And he blows life into it. And it becomes animated and alive. And the angel's like, whoa. And God's like, yeah, I'm awesome. <laughs> right? Did you see that? That was cool. And this little thing begins to look and act like God. In what ways? I mean, we are made in his image and God is spirit. And there's a part in us that is God-like that we will never die. I need you to understand something. There is an eternal part of you. And you go, well, well what kind of part? Um, let, me, let, me, let me say this. There's a part of you that your family knows regardless of what you look like. Let me give you an analogy. Imagine if you got in a terrible accident and were burned over 100% of your body. Would your family still know you? Of course they would. It doesn't matter if you're all wrapped up and all they can do is see your eyes. They know your spirit. They know your personality. They know who you are. Because you are not the sum total of this stuff on the outside of you. Yeah, does it matter? Of course it matters. Are we all tied in and our bodies are connected to our souls and our spirit? Yeah, absolutely. But this that you see is not all of us. You're only seeing a portion. There's so much more behind it. There's so much more that is deeper. And God created within us this this undying element called a spirit. Oh, we'll all live forever. Where you spend forever is a different discussion. But know this, everyone lives forever. Why? Because God's stuff never goes away. You have matter and energy and those things can get transferred and shifted and morphed. God lives forever and you are made in the image of God. It also means that we are created with the ability to create. We are built with a desire and drive and ability to create and be creative. I mean, on the simplest level, there are some creatives in this room. And what I mean by creatives, you're artists. You're people that know that when you write a song, that you're writing something fresh and new that no one has ever sung before. That when you paint a picture, even if you try to copy another one, it is unique in what you've created. There's something exciting that a sculptor knows he'll never sculpt two things identically the same. Because he's working with different material and he's shaping it differently. That there's something in us that knows that we can put an imprint on something and bring something to life that was never there before. That's a God piece. Now, if we want to talk about the intense portion of that, do you realize, as C.S. Lewis has said it so brilliantly, he said, for 
All of history, God has been creating life with two gloves on. He puts a glove on called a woman. He puts a glove on called a man. And with his hands, he forms new life. We get to be a part of that process where actually there's a bunch of kids in this room. They are a living, breathing, animated being that God let come through you. That's a trip. One time, C.S. Lewis said, God took off only one time. He took off the man glove. And with his own bare hand of God, he took the glove of the woman and fashioned the son of God into the world. We are built to be forever. We are built to be creative. We are built for impact. We have an inner drive, an adventure, and excitement, and building, and creating, and, and all the stuff about leaving our mark and significance, and that's God's stuff. It's what God does. But then, the image of God was marred, right? It got messed up. We used to look so, I mean, Adam and Eve looked so much like him that the angels were like, man, it's, it's, it's amazing. Y'all look so much alike. But then what? Adam and Eve said, you know what? As beautiful as you've created us to be, we'd like more control. We want to do things our way. We're tired of you doing your way. So we're going to do it different. And they said no to God. You don't say no to God without a problem. Because you were built to say yes to God. You were built for his glory. You were built to live his life. You were built to emanate his power. You were built to be in connection, personal relationship with him. And when you want to cut away from that and do it your own way, there's a consequence to that. And that's what we call sin. And so the image got marred. It got messed up. It got distorted. But God's love was so intense he immediately launches redemption plan because he cannot stand the idea that who he created as his children would be away from him. So he provided all sorts of means by which we could be near him and ultimately solved the puzzle. 2,000 years ago on Christmas, what we celebrate, by God said, I'm coming in personally. And he stepped into our world, took on our flesh, And said, let's do this. And Jesus Christ lived the perfect life. He died on the cross for your sins and mine. He said, I will go to the nth degree. I will take all the torment because I can't handle the fact that you live forever away from me. Because if you're not connected to God, you're not connected to God. Oh, you'll live forever away from God. Well, that just destroyed the father's heart. And so he said, son, let's do this. And he came into the world and died that we might live. That's actually the the glory of Christmas, right? That, that, That we can open up and realize we've been given this offer of salvation. Like a hidden treasure. You didn't think it was that big of a deal. Oh, yeah, I get to know God. Yeah, I get to pray. Yeah, I get to be in connection with God. Whatever. It's not a big deal. It's a huge deal. It's who you really are. 
You don't even have an identity outside of God. That in God, your talents and gifts make sense. In God, your relationships take on a whole new level. In God, you become a different type of parent, a different type of friend, a different type of spouse. You become a different type of person. Oh, what you were built for has to be ignited by God for it even to be alive. And there are so many of us that are dormant with the potential of what God built you for. And so he drew, he drew you into a service like this and he said, can I give you some great news? I would love to ignite your heart. I would love to set you aflame. I would love to make you burn bright and be everything I built you to be. Jesus Christ came to redeem and to restore because we only make sense connected to him. Do you realize that you are created with the capacity that the Holy Spirit of God could dwell inside you? The Bible describes our bodies as like little walking temples where God can live inside. But if you consistently say, no thanks, I got it, then why would he dwell there? But if he doesn't dwell there, what's your temple for? A temple without God is just a building. I think that the reason why some of us resist God is because we're made so much like him, we think we are him. You know what I'm saying? Is we think we're God. I mean, I don't need God. I got this. You know, I, I can handle my own life. I can make my own decisions. I can figure it all out. All right. So what are you going to do when you live forever? What are you doing after this life? You got that one figured out too? Because God does. And if you got this on your own, you better take care of that on your own. And you don't know how to do that. When we're made so beautiful in his image... Sometimes we buy our own press and we think that we don't need him anymore. And then it's almost like there's some of us that wrestle on that side and then the others of us wrestle on the other side, which is I I will never be anything. I'm not valuable. I don't matter. I'm faulty and my body is falling apart and 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 I'm aging and I'm this and I'm not. I'm worthless and I'm stop with all that. You are who God says you are. You know, the famous line, uh, anytime you ever ask some type of collector or dealer on the price of something, what are they always going to say? It's always worth what someone's willing to pay for it. That's how you find the actual price. Jesus Christ is willing to pay his entire life to rescue you. So how much are you worth? You're worth a son of God? We get too caught up in the outside. We get too caught up in our limitations. We get too caught up in our failures. We get too caught up in our past. We get too caught up in, I'll never be anything. And yet the Bible says that we are like jars of clay. Yeah, our outsides aren't that impressive. But what's inside? Wow. That's phenomenal. The description God uses to talk about your life in him... In Greek is poema. It means masterpiece. 
It means that he's not done with you yet. It means that you are so locked with potential of what he is blossoming out that as long as you remain connected to him, that will continue to emerge and you will be more and more like what he built. Beautiful, glorious masterpiece. The glory of Christmas is that Jesus Christ came into the world so you and I would become all that he designed us to be. Every culture in the world has some type of religious system. Why? Because every human being knows that what you're looking at around you isn't all there is. Do you really think that you're born as simple matter, then you don't matter, and then you die? Is that really what you think? You know, deep in your heart, that can't be true. And so we struggle and struggle and try to find some meaning. I'll tell you what your meaning is. It's Jesus in you. That's why you're here. To have him breathe in you. To have him design you and recreate you. To make you born again. To allow you to be all this amazing image displayed to the earth. That's who you are. Why would we be okay falling short of that? Why are we all right falling short of our potential? You understand that as a parent, you look at your kids and they may be cool about living below their potential. But you're not for them. In the same way, we may be all willing to go, whatever, life is what it is. God's not all right with that. He said, I built you for more. We're not just settling. We're not just saying it is what it is. No, you are glorious. And until you let me fix you and change you and morph you and transform you, you don't get it. Let me shape you. The best gift we can give this Christmas season to God, the guy who has everything, is our heart. Because for some of us, it's the only thing he doesn't have. The Bible says we must begin again, to be born again. And we say, I don't want to start over. That's stupid. I don't want to start over. I worked so hard on this one. I don't want to start. Let me give you a dumb analogy. Ready? I'm just going to call out my own sermon problems ahead of you so you don't have to say it to yourself on the way home. I am a 42-year-old man that plays Candy Crush. All right, do you understand what I'm saying? All right, so, praise God, yeah, mm-hmm. All right, and all the kids are like, you're, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you and I are playing the same game, all right. So, Candy Crush is, uh, apparently it's all about crack addiction. I don't know what it is, but, but Candy Crush, you can't stop doing it. And so, I got to level 203, and I was like, I am awesome, right? And then, I got a new phone and forgot to back up my phone when I transferred it, and I lost all of it. And I was like, are you kidding me? There is no way I'm starting over again because 203 means I have no life and I already know I'm a loser and I don't want to do that all over again, right? I should do something in society. I go to a recovery group. There's all kinds of stuff, like, right? And then I'm like, I can do it. So sure enough, the addiction lures me back in. Now I'm on level 206. Yeah, right. Woo. Okay. 
you're the ones paying me for this. Huh? Whatever, you know what I'm saying? That was embarrassing, huh? Okay. The whole idea, whether your life gets blown up and you have to start over again, whether you do a project and you have to start over again, so many of us just go, I don't want to start over again. I don't have any energy to do it different. Here's what I want to tell you. If you have spent all your life building what you can build, you haven't even started yet. God's got to start it. And you don't need your energy. You need his energy. A lot of us have given up because we're tired. A lot of us started our walks with God and we have just petered out because we've done it all in our own power. But where does it come in where God says, I'm the one breathing in you. I'm the one breathing through you. My child, I have said that come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Where is that? That is only in the place when we open up our hearts and we surrender and we say, yes, God, you do it, not me. Let God restore you. Let God rebuild you. For the Bible says that if we open up our hearts to him, he will give us the right to become sons and daughters of God. Which means we can start looking like dad for the first time. Here's what we're going to do. There are some of us here that this is better news than you've heard in your entire life and you want to respond. How do I know that? Because you're getting an inkling that God keeps tapping you on the shoulder and saying, there's more. Yeah, well, God, I'm successful. I get it. There's more. Yeah, well, God, I got this one. I I know my pattern. I'd rather have my pattern. There's more. Yeah, well, God, I'm a good person. I don't really need moral lessons. There's more. Well, God, I've kind of tapped my potential. I'm incredibly successful. There's more. You know it because God has been tapping you on the shoulder saying, I need to be more with you. I need to take you to different places, to higher heights, to to deeper waters. I need to advance you. I need to bring you alive. And some of us have never even felt connected to God ever. You've never begun the journey of your own unlocking by letting God come alive. Some of us have never surrendered. We're still running the show. You know there's more. And tonight is God's invitation to you to begin the journey of that more. To be who you were designed to be. To let everything begin to have meaning. If that is you and that is tapping on your heart right now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for you. We're all going to pray. And while I pray, I want you to slip your hand up to God and say, God, that's me. I'm done with the way I'm living. I want you. I want to be who you made me to be. I need you to rescue me. I need you to deliver me. I need you to cut off my past. I need you to set me free. I need you to cleanse me and forgive me and and extend your mercy to me. Jesus, everything you did on that cross, I want it to be true for me so that you died and I would always live with you. If that's you, while I pray, You lift your hand up to the sky to God. It's not about you and me. 
It's not about you and the person next to you. This is about you and God. Let's pray. Right now, as I pray, just slip your hand up if that is you. Yep, I know. Who else? Yep, a whole bunch of you. Yep, that's right. Who else? I'm going to pray for you. Two seconds. Yep. One, two, let's pray. Heavenly Father, those of us raising our hands, we want to be drawn up into who you are. God, make us more than we are today, not for our own success, not for our own glory, but because it's what we were made to do. God, would you just cut us free from our junk of our past, our garbage? Would you cleanse it all out and forgive us of our sins? We admit that we have not done great with it. Most of us, Lord, we didn't even know what we were doing we didn't know we were missing out on and yet now we have this invitation from you that says that you'll come live with us live in us and take over us and then we become all about you oh god free us forgive us heal us encourage us strengthen us bring us alive god your word says that you can transfer us from a kingdom of darkness groping about being lost and transfer us into the kingdom of light where everything is beginning to be illuminated and we will be alive in you god would you rescue us would you free us would you heal us because of what jesus you have done for us Oh God, may we praise you and glorify you. We're done with it being about us. Come alive in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. If you raised your hand and you said, you know what, I just want to know more about that. I'm craving what all that. I want to know what I'm doing. We have a prayer team over here on your extreme left that you can go over there. They're going to talk with you. They'll pray with you. If your family member, somebody has need to be prayed over for something, they would love to pray for you. Remember, this is a family and we are so excited to be with you. Merry Christmas. We love you. And we'll see you next time.